All right, he is the award-winning sports columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I have a chance to congratulate him once more. Missouri Sports Writer of the Year, Ben Fredrickson from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Ben, uh, an official chance, again, to congratulate you, sir, on a job well done and an honor uh, that is uh, more than well-deserved. It's it's certainly big for you in the Post-Dispatch, but... uh, also big for us here at the Big 550 to be able to uh, have someone of your of your caliber on our roster, Ben. It's uh, great to have you on tonight, sir. What's going on? Thanks, man. Really appreciate it, and you're very kind. Can't thank you guys enough at KTRS for putting up with me for all these years and making things work with me, um, um, you know, having to, to jump through hoops often for, for the newspaper job, and you guys always make it easy. I think it's been an awesome partnership, so... Awards are fluky things, but really um, proud of this one just because it's been won by a lot of people I have a lot of respect for. You know, our pal Dave Matter, Vahe Gregorian, um, Derek Gould at the Post-Dispatch. So really cool to join that group there and um, hopefully uh, can keep it going for a while. I I don't have plans on doing anything else and uh, don't plan on on being anywhere else but the Post-Dispatch with you guys. So um, really, really fortunate, and, and thank you for, for the congratulations. I appreciate it. Well, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Yeah, well, job well done. I'm great. Um, it, it, looking forward to talking some hoops and kind of our expanded breakdown of last night's Mizzou game against Alabama. For folks that listen to us, this is uh, this is what we do, especially now at a time like this in the winter in front of baseball, now removed from Mizzou football and, you know, the Blues is kind of meandering around. The Billikens are meandering around. Well, here's the Missouri Tigers kind of doing, Ben, the same thing. And you look up now at a record that has the Tigers uh, winless in the Southeastern Conference. They're 8-9 and nine overall. And they've lost seven of their last eight games. Uh, last night, though, to me, Ben, it's just another carbon copy of of life of the Missouri Tigers right now where they play hard you look up at the score at times and you're like wait a minute they're only down by two they're only down by four and then the reality kicks in at the end Alabama's got better players they've got a better offense and quite frankly I don't know if we had the understanding of how good at least for a night, Ryland Griffin was going to be as this guy was hitting threes from everywhere, especially late, finished 5 of 7 from 3 and had 21 points and basically applied the knockout punch on the Tigers. But, Ben, it certainly did not feel like a game that Mizzou lost by 18 points. That's the final spread, but I think Mizzou really held their own for much of this game. And, again, I feel like I felt just about after every loss is that uh, this is a team that hangs in there, and they and they get so close. But yet, at the very end of the game, a lot of these times they do feel very far away. Yeah, they've got to figure out a way to finish games better, and and I think that's been something that you can point to really since conference play started. Like you know, they, there's no way they should have let the South Carolina game get to overtime, and then you wind up losing it. Um, Kentucky felt close, but you end up losing that game, ninety to seventy-seven. This one had the kind of that that feel. There were multiple times he thought, okay, Missouri's going to fade here, and the, and the Tigers didn't until the, the very end of the game. Um, look, I, I think a lot of how you view this right now um, depends on what you expected for this team entering the season. 
how you choose to view kind of the trajectory of this program and if you're viewing it as as there's no way this team should be taking a step back after an encouraging last season or if you're kind of zooming out and taking the big picture and we do a little bit of both and uh you know the whole point of breaking down these games is not to say well well it's more about next year no i mean we we can dig into these individual games and this team has had one win since december 3rd and it was against that was against wichita state they've only beaten central arkansas since then so for folks who are frustrated restless i get it um this team didn't lose a lot last season they didn't lose much back to back and they've now lost four in a row looking ahead there's not a lot of guaranteed there are no guaranteed wins left on their schedule um if you like the ken prom projections they got them to win two games the rest of the way one of those is against arkansas which Arkansas has had a dysfunctional season, but I, I still think they're they're you don't you don't feel great about Missouri winning that game just like because I think they'll find some way to kind of figure this thing out a little bit. So where's the where's the the, the break going to come from? Where's the win going to come? And the way this team plays, it's it, it plays like it's going to get one at some point. I don't know how many more it will get. I like that they play hard. I like that they didn't back down to the hijinks with Alabama. They stood their ground. They were confident, not emotional, but they were they were there for a challenge. They brought the fight. Um, I, I, I think the, the things that are going to have to get cleaned up are they've got to stop giving so many good looks to their opponents. They've got to find easier shots to convert. They're taking a lot of high degree of difficulty shots, and I think they've got to find some way to, when that game is tight late, you've got to find a way to be the team that finishes strong and, and they they're strong up to that kind of break point and then when you look at what happens in the last few minutes of games here recently they haven't been able to score and and they're not a team that's going to lock an opponent down for three to five minute stretches to end the game they're going to have to find ways to score and and and, and creating the offense that, that that can be reliable for them has is, is, is been a challenge all season so i think when the pressure mounts up those things become stressed i like their compete i like their fight but uh, right now they're 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 just a little they're 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 not quite good enough at the things they want to be good at and and the things that they're not quite good at are, are leaving them exposed a little bit. I got plenty of thoughts on on some of those big picture thoughts here, Ben, coming up in a little bit. But going back to just specifically last night's game, Nate Oates shoving Aiden Shaw. <laughs> yeah, we should probably start there. There's just no place, and he gets <laughs> reprimanded today by the SEC. It's like, okay, yeah. what does that mean? Well, really, nothing. There's no fine. Maybe it's hidden. Maybe it's a hidden fine. He's not going to be suspended. And he wasn't even given. I mean, he should have been teed up there and arguably yeah. thrown out of the game. And the officials are standing right there as it happens. I thought Dane Bradshaw made a tremendous point throughout the course of the game that Mizzou really maintained their composure through all of that while Nate Oates' clown show was happening. Because Aiden Shaw, I mean, you're pushed by the coach of the other team? That just can't happen. They're guys, and if he flew off the handle and got ticked, man, I wouldn't blame him. But he took a step back. Uh, Dennis Gates had his team. Uh, you know, they they were very composed as all of that stuff was going on. And Nate Oates should not have been able to to coach the rest of that game. Should have been teed up. And I I, I just thought it was a, a com, you know complete malpractice on on the. Uh, the by the officials in that spot because it's that just it's just something that cannot happen. I mean, we we make a big deal if uh if a coach pushes or has his hands on his own player. This is a coach from the other team yeah. physically yeah. 
shoving an opponent's player. It, it is just beyond malpractice in my estimation. It's funny to me that in a game where an Alabama player gets a immediate technical for jawing after blocking a shot, which I, I don't like that rule. I know they're trying to crack down on taunting, but if you stuff somebody and you say, hey, you know, whatever you said in your face, who knows? Yeah. Who cares? It's basketball. Go play. But that gets an immediate tech and a coach putting hands on a player does it now? I don't want to be overdramatic. Nate Oates didn't grab Aiden Shaw around the neck. He didn't. He didn't slap him. He he basically gave him a, a a nudge and said, "Get back to your get back to your huddle." Because Aiden Shaw was kind of you know hanging around Alabama's sideline a little bit. It was an intense game, but the rule everyone knows the rule. I mean, if Nate Oates says he doesn't know the rule, he's lying. Coaches don't touch players. You don't touch your own players. You don't touch, especially don't touch opponents' players. And and that's what the SEC reminded. Nate Oates of today. If you thought he was going to get suspended, I got news for you. Alabama plays Tennessee next. There was no way the league was going to suspend Nate Oates. Uh, he should have been given a technical in that game. It should have been something in the moment that made gave Missouri an advantage. And and I, I agree with you. I commend Aiden Shaw on not making a bad decision there because I can guarantee you there are some guys in this league or across the country that would have. And then the SEC would have had a real problem on his hands. If the next if the next move of Nate Oates pushing a player is the player, you know, punching Nate Oates in the face, then uh, then all of a sudden that's a huge headache for the league. Um, so I, I thought the officials were a step slow there. Um, the league comes in with the wrist slap for Nate Oates, and really what that does is it, it just sets up a situation where if he has another incident like that, then he's going to get he's going to he's going to get in some serious trouble that could lead to him being suspended so he's been warned um I, I i zoom out on this man i'm a little sick and tired of the coaching conduct across college basketball in the first place and it's not just nato i'm tired of seeing clips of coaches all the way out on the court um shaka smart with apologies to martin kilcoin for marquette <laughs> is like getting in the way of opposing players like he's he's creating actually he's basically become a sixth defender on his sideline it's embarrassing this isn't juco this isn't rec league this isn't youth basketball get off the damn court and while you're at it put a suit on i'm sick and tired of watching these guys you know walk around looking like they they just strolled out of the golf pro shop and are going to hit a few balls on the golf range in their quarters that the pandemic's over put a suit and tie on go coach your game from your sideline stay off the court don't go touching players and stop acting like you're the sixth man on defense it's gotten a little ridiculous and we hear all these emphasis points for officials about, oh, they're going to call the taunting, they're going to blah, blah, blah. How about some coaching, how about some official emphasis points for the coaches? Get off the court, let the players play, and act like the adult in the room. Nate Oates is not the only one who's guilty of, of acting immature or being too involved with the action on the court this season. We see coaches out on the court all the time, and I think they should really, I think they should scale it back. I think if you start to check that a little bit, like they have in college football, you see those get-back coaches. Yeah. And incidents like this don't happen. Last night was a very small thing. It could have been a very bad thing. Yeah. And and the, and the reason it could have been bad is because the coach got involved in a situation he never should have been in. Start creating an atmosphere where that's not allowed to happen. Yeah, it didn't get too far out of hand, but it certainly it, it made for a very intense atmosphere. And again, a game you look at the final score and said 18 points. It, this, this did not feel like an 18-point final spread here, Ben, but maybe where it turned. And i got to say, the last couple of games, Jesus Calero-Martin, uh, the transfer from Campbell, 
has at times when he's been on the floor looks like the best player at times on the floor. Does so many things. Can shoot, can create his own shot in a crafty manner around the hoop. He passes extremely well. He's a decent enough rebounder. Not a terrible shot blocker. Doesn't stay in front of his man all that well, which can be a problem against these athletic wings in the SEC, Ben. But it was it was came off the bench last night and was in the midst of another solid performance, but then on a breakaway at a very, very pivotal point in the game, Ben, Mizzou's down four, about nine minutes to go in the second half. He has a chance for a dunk to rattle that rim and put Mizzou down by just two. He bricks it. Alabama comes back down, gets to the free throw line. A game that could have been two was suddenly six, and Mizzou very quickly lost their sight of that score, lost their sight of being in the game, and again, they end up losing by 18. But that, Ben, that play for me, really critical, and it also underscores just the lack of explosiveness on this Mizzou team, Ben. I feel like so often they are hesitant in getting to the hoop. Just drive right at it. Don't worry about who's behind you. At worst, you'll draw some contact, but go hard to the rim and, and and don't be so delicate about it or worried that somebody's trailing you. I can't tell you, Ben, how it seems to me how many opportunities Mizzou has either one-on-none or three-on-one, and they don't convert on the other end. It's mind-boggling. And that, to me, Ben, that turned the game permanently for Alabama last night. Yeah, it was. And there have been multiple games that have had swings like that off of a turnover led to a fake, a bucket that isn't converted, and then it goes back the other way. And it's like we've seen multiple games kind of flip for this team like that. I, I think a lot of it is is athleticism. You know, most players in the league throw down that dunk and, and don't look twice. They don't get caught from behind. They don't hear footsteps. Kind of like watching a, a guy get ran down on a kickoff return when you think he's going to score a touchdown ran down from behind. Um, that's that's a tough thing. It's a big momentum swing play that ends up turning into momentum the other way. This team is probably three has three more wins if some of those close buckets that they can – we see sometimes like the million-dollar move, penny finish. Um, Noah Carter will create with some you know dramatic spin through the lane and then miss the, the bunny underneath the basket. They have kind of a lot of those nearly there finishes – that uh, that are that are frustrating. Um, I thought that play was the was the turning point for sure. I thought the stat of the game. Um, I actually was surprised it wasn't more because I feel like every time I looked up, Alabama was scoring a bucket off a third or fourth opportunity following an offensive series of offensive rebounds. Yeah. Missouri gave up seventeen second chance points. I get it. They're not the world's strongest rebounding team. I, I understand that that's not a staple of this program, but they giving up, you don't want to give up second chance points. They're giving up third and fourth and sometimes fifth chance points um, because they're just, they're, they're, they're not getting bodies on guys. They're not getting in positions to rebound and it's killing them. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just killing them. You're giving good teams two and three and sometimes four chances at decent offensive looks. And it's really hard to win that way, especially on the road. They're one of the, the worst teams in the country at preventing offensive rebounds and when you when you're up against teams that can score that those are those are like godsends when you get a chance to score almost 20 second chance points in a game it's like it's like adding a new player on your team it's like playing with six guys because
because you're constantly getting the same looks. And for a team like Mizzou especially, which you're trying to speed them up, you're trying to maybe get a little full-court pressure on them, you're giving them new looks within the half-court set when you give up those offensive rebounds, and that's one more press that they didn't have to break to try to score. I think that's really got to be something that is really a point of emphasis for them moving forward because they're getting killed on those second and third chance opportunities by teams. And I don't know if it is or isn't a point of emphasis, Ben, but this is exactly what we saw last year. This is not a talented rebounding group, just like last year's team really wasn't. A lot of the size you brought in, again, with Vanover and with Calero Martin, they're more... I don't want to say finesse, but that's sort of what they are. They're not tough physical rebounders. And I think this trend and the trend on defense starts to change as Gates brings in these guys that are longer and more athletic, certainly what next year's recruiting class brings you to where it helps you because I don't think this is ever going to be a point of emphasis. I don't know if there's ever a top 20 rebounding team, but maybe at least they're not like bottom 50 like this, or last year where they were almost dead last. Um, some of that size and athleticism will help to cut into that because right now you just don't have the talent because at times, Ben, it doesn't look like they're not trying for the rebound. And that's not the case, but they're not fundamentally sound enough to withstand a team with the length and with the athleticism that, say, Alabama has, and they're just hopeless because it was one miss after another where it felt like they were getting the, the rebound and another chance, especially there late in the game where maybe fatigue starts to set in a little bit. Uh, they, they were just helpless in that department. Uh, I don't know if it gets better this year. Uh, you need the talent and the length and athleticism to be able to do that on a regular basis Ben, and it's just not something Mizzou has right now. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the other thing, they have a way they want to play, they have a style they want to play, and, and that's the identity of the program. Dennis Gates is not going to tell his guys, hey, stop shooting threes. That's, that's never going to be the the option, even if guys aren't, aren't making threes. So it's just not going to happen. But I, I do think they've got to try to tighten some things up to where you're coming out of games um, where – the opponents are doing the things that you want to do better than you're doing them. And that's not a good way to win. Missouri wants to shoot a lot of threes. Okay, they made 8 of 21 in this game. Alabama made 13 uh, of 27. Um, You know, yeah, you're not going to be a super strong rebounding team. Okay, but don't give up 20 points on on second-chance points. Um, You know, points off turnovers yesterday, tied. Both teams scored 13 points off turnovers. Missouri had almost as many turnovers as Alabama. Um, you know, you've, you had a, a representative number of free throws. Finally, Dennis Gates got his team, you know, shooting free throws. Well, Missouri didn't shoot bad 15 of 20. Alabama made 20 of 21. So if, if you're going to allow the things that you want to do as a team to, to be improved upon by your opponents, then it's going to be hard for you to win to win games. It's going to be hard for you to win games, especially especially on the road. So, um, I'd like to also see more ball movement from this team. Um, a 10 assist is, I don't think, something that, that these guys want to have. I, I think that there's there's times when the action, especially in the half-court bogs down, there's too much, especially for Noah Carter, um, there can be too much ball domination. Um, I'd like to see that thing get moving a little bit more, a little bit faster. I think that's I think they're better when they try to, to keep that ball in motion. A little bit, a little bit better. So I'm not down on a man. I, I, I like their toughness. I like their grit, but uh, there's just not easy games in this conference. And 
there may not be superstar teams. Maybe there are. Maybe Tennessee becomes one. Maybe Kentucky grows up and becomes one. But what there are are a lot of super solid teams, and there are a lot of teams that that they're not going to give you wins. I think Missouri is one of those, um, and they'll catch some breaks. They're going to get more wins than they've had. I don't think they're going to win only two more games the rest of the conference season, but they're going to have to. It's not going to be easy. And if if you can say one good thing is that they're not they're not folding and they don't look at all like a team that's starting to check out because some teams would during this stretch and and I don't think they've shown any signs of that which is good. I think they but they've got to they've got to find a way to to finish games with a flourish. Alabama made six of their last eight field goals to end the game. Missouri is allowing teams to finish strong and they're wilting in the big moment and that's the opposite of what they were able to do last year when they stole games away in those minutes. Right, exactly right. And I've got I've got a point to make on that coming up in our in our next segment uh, where I think we can start to maybe piece together why. But I mean, not only just extra passes, Ben, but move without the ball. Got to move without the ball to set up maybe some easier baskets. There was a bucket last night that I think Vanover. Yeah, he found uh, Bates. It was early in the second half. Uh, a great cut by Bates. Vanover finds him. Uh, out on the wing a little bit, a little bit on the perimeter, and 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 Bates, I think, got to the, uh, I think, drew a foul on that play as well. It was like okay, because so often it just turns into hero ball, and whether it's Carter uh, backing up and getting right under the basket, getting too deep under the basket where he can't make a play, or or East firing a runner, which more times than not that's an effective form of offense. But I bet there are times you can find a better shot than that. If you make the extra pass, I, I think uh, uh, those are some potential scenarios. And uh, But having said all that, open threes are better than those runners, are better than Carter backing up a defender and flipping up a shot around the bucket. Those are tough shots. Easier shots are open threes, Ben. And, and from your coach that says he wants to lead the nation in three-point attempts, Carter passed up a three last night off a pass from Honor. It's like, dude, I get it. You're struggling out there, but again, so many of these guys fear like, and this is—it's been a change, an unfortunate change here recently—is where they're afraid to take those shots. Man, you gotta just let it fly, especially on an open three, because sometimes they let that shot clock man dribble, uh, you know, get all the way down to three or four seconds, and that's when they fire up those ridiculous tough shots. Man, don't pass up an open three. I don't care if it's two or three seconds into the possession. you got to let that fly, and that's part of this team's DNA, Ben, that I want to come back, freewheel it a little bit. Don't take a three early in the possession if you've got a hand in your face, but if you're wide open, if you're Nick Honor or Noah Carter or Sean East or Anthony Robinson, take that three. If you're Jordan Butler or Connor Vanover, you can probably maybe make the extra pass, but there are guys, Ben, that they need to realize they've got the green light if they're open. They cannot be passing up open threes that is a staple of this offense the three-point shot and they've got to take it if they're there yeah i mean if you're gonna live by it you're gonna die by it but you gotta they're not gonna drastically like they're not gonna be a team that comes out for the next game it's okay they're gonna pound it down low and play back to the back like i've had some people say well they need to change how they play i'm like well that's not gonna happen no <laughs> they, they may need that they may not have the right guys to play the way they want to play and yes, then that's, that's gonna make it. the rest of this season about uh, playing the way they can play until they get the guys that they can get back to playing they want to play. But the reality is they are the worst rebounding team in the conference. This is not surprising. They were often that 
last season, um, they don't defend well enough to not score a lot and boldly and aggressively. But they're not right. They're not that team right now. Um, you know, they're they're ninth in field goal percentage in the SEC. They're seventh in three point percentage in the SEC. They're not leading the SEC in uh, three pointers attempted. They're kind of one of the teams right around the shooting the the, the sixth the most. Now they're they're technically third, but they're really just kind of a middle of the pack team and getting their three point shots off. Um, we've talked about the the free throws that they're not attempting. They're last in getting free throw attempts. Um, and they're a pretty good free throw shooting team, actually. So that they're leaving points at the line there. Um, the things that, that, that we know that are with their weaknesses are there and they, we knew they would be there. It's what they're supposed to be doing well that's not going well enough for them. I mean, they're only, they're barely in the top 10 of points per game so far this season. And, and that's not where they, that's not where they want to be. So, I think it's a matter of they either got to find a way to get back to the identity they want to have, or it becomes kind of triage for Gates and his staff, and they look at, okay, how are they going to play a little differently this year, not abandoning the identity they want to have for the program, but maybe they can't play that way with this group because so far it's it's not quite working out. Um, I actually think Gates has done a decent job. I, I was talking too. with Eli Hoff about this today. Um, for for a little podcast we recorded for the Post Dispatch, his his Mizzou podcast, and he made a point. He's like, you know, you look at their out of bounds plays, you look at some of the things that the coaching things, and and it's there, and and you and you don't say, man, they're just not, they're not, they don't have an identity. It's just that they're not achieving it, and they got. I, I think the injuries are, are probably pay, playing into it. I don't think they're the only reason, um, but uh, I think when you when you have a team that had, had some transfers that didn't hit. You've got some guys who are not able to be a part of this who are out right now, and they're they have a way they want to play. They're just not doing it well enough. So until they close the gap on the things that they are not doing well, or get better at the things that, uh, that the weaknesses we knew they'd have, um, then this is going to continue to be a struggle. So I don't know what it is, but I'd like to. I'm with you, man. I'd like to see him play with a little more abandon. Let it rip. Let it run. Let it fly. Keep that ball moving. Don't let it bog down. And shoot threes because I can't imagine that Dennis Gates. Um, has, has gone and recruited a bunch of guys that, that can't shoot. I think if they keep shooting, they'll probably be a top-five team in three-point percentage instead of middle of the pack, but they just got to keep letting them, letting them fly. It might be their only option. And it's not an effort thing. It's a fear thing. Don't play with fear, and sometimes late in the games, especially here lately. That wasn't the case earlier in the year. It certainly wasn't the case last year. And, Ben, you walked me up to the point I want to make when we come back, talking to some Mizzou hoops on the big sports show. You're home for the Tigers, the big 550 KTRS back after this. Brennan and Ben Fred back with you, and, and Ben, you set me up before the break uh, for a point I wanted to make ab- about this team and and maybe to give some Tiger fans perspective and, and a reason to take a breath and not be too distraught about where this thing is at, 0-4 in the SEC, losers in seven of their last eight. But Ben, you talk about transfers that come in that were supposed to be an integral part of this offense, and I would make a bet. Mizzou right now is currently missing two of their three star, two of their five starters, or at the very least, two of their top six on the roster from how it was mapped out by Dennis Gates during the offseason. John Tanji, I believe, was brought in to be not a Kobe Brown replicate in any way, shape, or form, but to be a guy that could do a lot of the things to uh, be a Swiss Army knife in a way that could do all of 
a bunch of different things that Kobe did. Maybe be your leading scorer. Maybe lead the team in rebounding for a night. Uh, take some threes. Get to the hoop. Draw contact. All those things Kobe Brown did. Tanji was injured during the summer, as we're starting to find out. He was compromised from Jump Street, has hardly been able to play, and was finally shut down yesterday. So there's one starter out of the mix. And then your other starter, Caleb Brown, who, or Caleb Grill, uh, excuse me, uh, not Kobe's brother, but uh, Caleb Grill, Ben, who, um, quite frankly, you look at this team, Ben, and where this team started to veer off in the wrong direction was when Caleb Grill got hurt. Because I don't think you can sell short the quality wins Mizzou had in the month of November at Minnesota, at Pitt, home against Wichita State. Wichita, not so much, but certainly Minnesota and Pitt. They're not great wins, but they're pretty good wins on the road. Caleb Grill was an integral part in all three of those wins. Even the Minnesota game where he got tossed, he was sort of the emotional guy to get that team fired up, and his play on the floor only steadily improved after that. You take Grill out of the mix, Ben, and this team has lost a bit of their edge for one and lost just a really good player that was getting better as those days and weeks went on. So suddenly you're missing those two guys, and you've lost seven of your last eight, Ben, but you could have beaten South Carolina. You could have beaten Georgia. You hung in against all of these teams on the road only to fade late. And, Ben, look at all seven of these losses as I wrap up my point. All seven of these losses, and some fans may not want to hear this. They're going to take this as excuse-making on my part. But all seven of these losses, Ben, are either to bona fide tournament teams or, at worst, bubble tournament teams in the case of Georgia and South Carolina. Um, but they are not losing to cream puffs. They are losing to good teams and in some cases great teams. And I, I just think if you've got your full complement of guys or at least one of the two that you're missing in Grill and Tanji, I think we're talking about a different story here, Ben, and maybe you win one or two of these games. Maybe you close out both South Carolina and Georgia at home. Maybe you find a way to beat Seton Hall on a neutral floor. Um, instead, they're all losses. But I, I think adding that perspective and adding the fact that this team fights and they're in all of these games, I think it should make you feel a little bit better about the state of the program. Hey, it's all about wins and losses. I get that. 0-4 looks ugly in the SEC. But, Ben, there's some nuance here that maybe sometimes we miss. Uh Missing two starters, that's a little more than nuance. That's a key part of this team that just hasn't been there. Well, I think the whether you thought Caleb Grill was going to be an X factor for this team or just a complimentary piece, it doesn't matter. Everyone can agree that the strength of his repertoire was 3 and D. And we spent a lot of time over these past few games saying the one thing Missouri needs to do is hit more threes and, and play better defense. And right. that, they're missing him in that regard. Um, he may not have just taken that shove from Nate Oates down there <laughs> in Alabama. Um, they Alabama probably doesn't make six of its eight final field goals if, if he's out there because he would have come up with a way to get a stop. That's kind of what he brought to this group. And, man, I don't know what John Tanjay was supposed to bring, but I, I, I agree that we never saw it. Yep, and this is one of those it. examples where Gates keeps things so close to the vest. And it's his choice to do that. That's fine. If he just would have said, look, 
guys. This guy was supposed to be one of our leading scorers, and we can't play him because his foot's messed up. I think it would maybe change the perception a little bit because instead what they did was they brought him in and everybody was excited about this guy coming in from Colorado State and then clearly there were some physical issues and instead of just saying, hey, he's struggling with health, it was left to believe that he couldn't play, that he was no good, that he didn't, he couldn't handle it. And they kind of you see him out there, then he's gone again, and there was no kind of verdict on what's going on, and now all of a sudden he's shut down for the season. And it's like, oh, so we never saw the real John Tanjay. And that is a significant loss, but I almost feel like instead of making that known, it's almost like it's buried, and it, yeah. it probably results in some people not even realizing what this team's not playing with. So I, I would have I would handle things differently at times than Dennis. <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't like him. Um, I just think sometimes his messaging could be a little bit more helpful for his own team's understanding of it. Um, but uh, that's that's not the way he choose, chooses to go. So I don't know if, if they'll get – I mean, they're not going to get Tanjay back. The, the good thing for them is he could redshirt um, and, and protect that eligibility and come back next year if they want him, and we'll find out. Maybe we'll get a verdict on what kind of player he is. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they've said this. I wouldn't be surprised if Grill redshirts and they get a medical redshirt out of him. At this point, what's the point of bringing him back? I mean, I hate to say that. I know. You you don't want to call it a season at this point, but if you're really excited about what you have next year, wouldn't you rather have that guy for for next season with some of the guys who aren't going to be around? So the longer he doesn't play, I think he's still in a cast. The longer he doesn't play, the more – the more I wonder if he might be going the same route if maybe we've seen the last of him this season. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting point. Yeah, I'd love to have him back on this team next year. As I I was really impressed from uh, what Caleb Grill brought to the table with this team, and, and and I really think they're missing him right now. And and even with those two guys out, Ben, I, to to piggyback on a comment you've been making for weeks now about the younger guys and getting them out there, didn't see much Play of Trent. Didn't see much of Trent Pierce last night, but saw a ton of Jordan Butler and Anthony Robinson. And here's the reality of the situation. When they were out on the floor, this Mizzou team looked more dynamic. They just did. And, in fact, if you look at the raw numbers, they're plus-minus. Pretty favorable with both Robinson and Butler on the floor. Certainly much more so than, say, poor Noah Carter. Uh, the plus minus did not like him last yeah, night. It, no. it, he was not he was not good uh, in that regard. But Robinson and Butler Ben, their their game their games are just different. And I, I man, again, I'll just continue to say I want to. I'm with you. Give me more of them on the floor. Yeah, maybe sometimes on the floor at the same time. I they're they're raw. I get that. But man, at times, how different is it than say? A one-dimensional player like a Connor Vanover, there's just not a lot that he does well enough that I'm just licking my chops of getting him in the game for 20 minutes. No, give me more Butler. Give me more Robinson on a team, Ben, that lacks athleticism. They bring it. And I think even in Butler, Butler finally showed some things last night where he looked a little more comfortable. When he was on the floor, Ben, Mizzou actually rebounded. Um, And when Robinson was on the floor... Things actually moved. I, that that has to count for something right now. Their offensive games are far from perfect, but there's no question that they are elite athletes and far more so than anybody else on this roster right now. They're athletes. That's what you see when they're out there, and this team isn't dripping with athleticism. So play the athletes who have the future. You don't want to overexpose them. You don't want to dent their confidence, but you got to start playing them more. got to start getting them more confident. 
Um, when when Anthony Robinson gets stuffed on the baseline there, I watch that and go, that's a freshman mistake. But you know how you stop making them? You do them, and you get over them, and you next time you go through that guy or you pump fake and blow by him or you get the foul call. You've got to learn, and it's a big, physical, nasty league. And if these guys are going to be difference makers in it next season, they've got to take some of those growing pains this year. So I think it's going to continue to happen. Dennis Gates is a smart guy. He doesn't want to punt, you know, on this season, and he's got to try to protect the, yeah. you know, the chemistry of his team. But the reality is, you've got to give fans a reason to believe that this is, uh, this is, this is worth the the pain this season is going to be. And one way you do that is you point to these young guys who are playing well and say these guys are going to be better next year, and we're going to have some freshmen who can come in and play right away. Some of these guys who've been good are going to be back. Some of the guys who got hurt. I mean you start to kind of spin this thing toward the future a little bit, and the reality is they may have to make that kind of obvious choice sooner rather than later because, unfortunately, some of these games that were kind of 50-50 games for a while, none of them are breaking Mizzou's way. And maybe it's luck, maybe it's maybe it's a combination of everything, but they had games early last season that went their way, and I think it really kind of ignited the confidence of this team. They're going the opposite way for this group this year. I don't think there's this year, this team's not as good, but I don't know that they're so so much worse. I think they're just it's crazy how sometimes a buzzer beater early in a non-conference season can can bring you all kinds of confidence and just kind of snowballs. We saw it happen last year, and they were a better team. This team is not as good, but it's also had some of those things go against them, and, and I think it's. Uh, I think if there was going to be some magical run, we would have we would have seen a flash by now. It doesn't mean all is lost, but it means you got to start finding, got to coach this thing a little differently. Yeah. And I think we're going to learn a little bit about Dennis Gates this year. It's 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 easy to be the guy that showed up with a team that people didn't think much of and wins. And it, we're going to learn a little bit about how he finds positives, how he has to just frankly address reality this season and if he doesn't get what he can out of this season for next season then it's then it's it's a bad decision because people are i think willing to give him patience but they also want to see reasons that this season is going to pay dividends later it's ben frederickson i'm brendan weesey talking some zoo hoops here on the big 550 ktrs we'll round out the show quick final segment when we come back and a little thought about what's going on not we talked about alabama basketball what about alabama football some thoughts after this Ben, we don't have a ton of time as we uh, wind down this Wednesday night here on the Big 550 KTRS. Talk about uh, Nate Oates and his Alabama basketball team earlier, but Kalen DeVore and his Alabama football team, man, this is not something we've had to talk about ever under Nick Saban. A mass exodus of players into the transfer portal today, and I think it's less a commentary about Alabama and more a commentary about the playing field slowly leveling out around the landscape of college football because of NIL and some of the opportunities. We've been talking about that for a while, Ben, but it becomes more and more reality when you when you see what uh, Kalen DeBoer and the Crimson Tide dealing with here today. Man, um, it is a rare time for Alabama football to feel like to feel like a program that uh, has to worry about the roster changing while you sleep. <laughs> Those those fans haven't felt that in a while, and welcome to welcome to everybody else's reality, Alabama. Um, it's not a knock on Kalen DeBoer to not be Nick Saban. I don't blame any of these guys for hitting the portal. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them maybe wind up staying. But be a free agent, 
Um, your coach retired. Uh, you know, every everything is, is shaky right now. Go put your name in there. See what's out there. And if Alabama wants you bad enough, maybe they sweeten your NIL deal to come back. There was one thing that uh, Nick Saban was able to do at Alabama. He kind of kept NIL a little bit in the headlock. I mean, he, he did not let it run run roughshod over his roster, and there are very few coaches who can do that. And Kalen DeBoer is very accomplished, but I don't think he's going to be the coach who starts telling Alabama players why they're better off taking less NIL money in Alabama than they are anywhere else. He doesn't have that kind of Nick Saban swagger. Nobody does. So there, I, I think that uh, in Alabama they're probably not used to this, but I think every other college football coach in the country is eagerly checking that portal to see which Alabama players could be there for the taking. And I would imagine that Eli Drinkwitz is, uh, is one of those coaches saying, hey, let's, let's see if we have some needs that maybe can be addressed there. No doubt about it. Uh, we'll be able to talk more about this in great detail in the days and weeks to come. And we got some Cardinals talk to get to in the days and weeks to come. But, Ben, what do you got cooking in the paper, Mr. Award-winning columnist? Well, like a true award winner, I, I was lazy today and didn't do much. So uh, right. nothing like resting on your uh, on your laurels after uh, after notoriety. Um, no, we, we, did the, uh, we did the chat yesterday at SDLC.com. Folks can find that. ton of winter warm-up coverage still up. They actually... If you missed the winter warm-up coverage, it was a holiday, obviously, weekend. Um, check it out. There's a landing page for all of our stories, columns, news, um, videos at the Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com. You can run down everything from the front office's comments to the ownership's comments to player interviews. You can find it all at stltoday.com. Great stuff, Ben. We'll uh, yak at you tomorrow. We'll do some winners and losers. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. It's Ben Fredrickson. I'm Brendan Weesey saying so long for now on this Wednesday night on the Big 550 KTRS.